Minimum Data Set Changes Are Coming, A Conversation with Deborah Wright. This webinar included a visual PowerPoint presentation. To view a video recording, visit the link in the description of this podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to our series of webinars focused on bringing you information about COVID-19 related topics. The information in these weekly webinars is geared toward long-term care facilities and skilled nursing facilities, but we encourage everyone who is interested to attend. My name is Casey Stevens and I'm a communications specialist here with Quality Insights. Today we'll be discussing the minimum data set MDS changes are coming, sections B, D, E, and F. And now I'd like to introduce our guest today, Deborah Wright. Deborah is a quality improvement specialist at Quality Insights. She joined our team after being in the long-term care industry for more than 30 years. She has a wealth of experience in long-term care and nursing management, ranging from certified nursing assistant to vice president of healthcare operations. She's most passionate when working with the MDS process in quality improvement. And with that, Deb, thank you for joining us today. I'll turn it over to you. All right. So like she said, today we are going to be talking about sections B, C, D, E, and F. And we're just going to go through um, a couple of these beginning slides pretty quickly. They are um, a repeat of what we talked about last week. So here are the two links that you'll have to get the um, MDS forms, which have been finalized. The REI manual is still in draft form, so we're still waiting for that to come out in the final, final edition. However, the MDS forms themselves have been finalized, as well as the link for the CMS official YouTube channel, where you can get um, a number of different educations that they've put out there, little snippets of each different section, and here's some examples of the ones that they have. So you would just go to that CMS library um, in the search bar, put, you know, MDS section A, B, F, whatever section you're looking for, and then they have some educations as well that they've put out on those sections. Some global changes that were made to the MDS REI manual, we're not going to go into all of this, but just so that you're aware, they've gone through and made all the language gender neutral. Um, they've had minor updates to wording. They've made some clarifications. They've updated keys to iKeys. And then there were revisions that pertain to the legal information for family members, significant others, and the, the legal representatives. There were also changes and revisions made to chapters one, two, and four. We're not going to go through that, but just so you're aware that there are changes in there. And also um, here are our are all the data elements that have new or revised guidance in chapter three of the REI. And these are the sections that we're gonna be talking about throughout these series. So today we're gonna to start by talking about section B, the hearing, speech, and vision. So the intent of this section is to document whether the resident is comatose, the resident's ability to adhere with or without their assistive devices, understand and communicate with others, as well as the resident's ability to see objects nearby in their environment. So all of these sections, B0100 to B1200, all they did was add examples in the REI manual. So we're not going to go into these sections and the coding definitions, just know that they have added some examples to all of these sections. The section that is new is the health literacy. 
So health literacy is becoming more and more um, popular and prominent in, in the industry. And it's defined as the degree to which individuals have the capacity to obtain, process, and understand their basic, basic health information and services needed to make appropriate health decisions. So you can see here that the, um, the choices are never, rarely, sometimes, often, always, they decline to respond or they're unable to respond. So here's the, the health-related quality of life examples that they give, how you can better plan for the care, and then the steps for assessment. Um, it's intended to be a resident self-reported item, so no other source should be used to identify the response. So it's simply an interview question. You're asking the resident, how often do you need to have someone help you when you read instructions, pamphlets, or other written material from your doctor or pharmacy? So again, here are the choices. Never, they, they say that they never need help reading instructions, pamphlets, or other written materials from doctors or pharmacies. They rarely do, sometimes, often, always, or then code seven, resident declines to respond, or code eight, resident unable to respond. So here's the example from the REI manual. When asked how often they need help when reading the instructions provided by their doctor, the resident reports that they never need help. The resident's adult child is present and shares that a family member must always accompany the resident to the doctor's visits and that the resident often needs someone to explain the written materials to them multiple times before they understand, providing examples of needing to frequently explain to the resident why they are on a special diet and why and how to take some of their medications. So in this instance, how would we code the answer for this? The resident says that they do not need help, but the family is obviously giving examples of how they do need assistance. So in this case, we would code the health literacy in B13 as never. The resident indicates that, that they never need help reading instructions from their doctor or pharmacist. And since this question is supposed to be resident self-reported and not taking information from any other source, such as the family members, we need to code based on what the resident stated. So the resident stated that they never needed help with instructions. So then we go into the cognitive patterns. And this, the, the intent, and again, just reading right from the REI manual, the, the intent is to determine the resident's attention, orientation, and ability to register and recall new information, and whether the resident has signs and symptoms of delirium. So again, they've just kind of updated the intent of this section. Steps for assessment, we want to make sure that we're interacting with them in their preferred language. So you want to go back to section A, where we had to answer that question, what is their preferred language and communication method? And if they need or require an interpreter, that's how we have to complete these interviews. We need to make sure that we are providing that interpreter so that they clearly understand the question. If they prefer to communicate using alternate means such as writing or pointing or sign language or those infamous cue cards that I don't know how many of you still use those or not, but the cue cards that are available for these interview sections, we need to make sure that we're using those. 
This is one of those questions where if in section B, we said that the resident is rarely or never understood, we would then skip to C0600, the staff assessment for mental illness. Keep in mind, there, is, there are some um, caveats if it is a standalone Part A PPS discharge assessment. In that case, if they're rarely or never understood, then we would skip to C1310, signs and symptoms of delirium. So here's um, a screenshot of what the BIMS, the brief interview for mental status looks like. And it is um, considered complete if the resident attempted and provided relevant answers to at least four of the questions in C0200 to C0400C. Relevant answers do not need to be correct, but they do need to be related to the question that was asked. So 0200 is the repetition of the three words, and then you have the temporal orientation and the recall questions. If the interview is stopped, they've add some, added some clarifications on, on what we do with the coding. If the interview is stopped, then we're gonna dash zero or C0400 A, B, and C, which is the recall questions. We're gonna code 99 in the BIM summary score, unless it's the, and then if the assessment is completed as a standalone PPS, we're gonna move on to the signs and symptoms of delirium. If it's not, then we're gonna proceed to the staff assessment. So then if all the responses in C0300, A, B, and C, which is your temporal orientation questions are coded zero, because the answers are incorrect, we're still gonna continue that interview. And some examples of what those responses could be in order to code zero are the incorrect answers, unless the item itself provides an alternative response, the items that are nonsensical and questions that the, the resident chooses not to answer or, or refuses to answer. Um, since those zeros result from these three situations, we need to make sure that we're treating them differently when coding the BIM summary in C0500, and the, the interviewer may find it valuable to track the reason so that they can accurately calculate that summary score. So then moving on to the mood section. Not too much has changed with this as far as the intent. The intent is still to address mood distress and social isolation. So mood distress is that serious condition that's underdiagnosed and undertreated in the nursing home and is associated with significant morbidity. Um, it's important to identify the signs and symptoms of mood distress so that we can treat them. We can you know, make sure that the physician is aware, we can involve activities so that we can increase their mood. Um, social isolation is a new area that's um, now on the MDS, and that refers to the actual or perceived lack of contact with other people, intends to, which increases with age. It's a risk factor for physical and mental illness, it's a predictor of mortality, and it's important to assess in order to identify engagement strategies. And that's what they're really going to see based on how we answer that social isolation and how the resident is feeling really is going to drive our activity and our engagement with the residents. 
These are just some clarifications for this for the steps for the assessment. Again, they, they have that general neutral um, verbiage in there. And it goes on to say, again, this is one of those questions that based on um, section B, if they're rarely or never understood, then we would skip to the staff assessment, again, unless it's um, a standalone assessment. In that case, we would skip right ahead to the social isolation questions. So coding instructions, so we would code zero or no if the interview should not be conducted because the resident is rarely or never understood or cannot respond verbally in writing or using whatever method that they use or an interpreter pointing the cue cards. Um, if they're not able to do that, again, we would skip to the staff assessment or we would code one for yes if the resident interview should be conducted because the resident is at least sometimes understood verbally in whatever method that they communicate. So here's, here's the part that um, I still struggle in saying, it's no longer a PHQ-9, it's a PHQ-2 to 9. Um, the rationale is it's important to note that coding the presence of clinical signs and symptoms of depressed mood does not automatically mean that the resident has a diagnosis of depression or other mood disorders. And we as the assessors cannot give a diagnosis of depression simply based on the outcome of the PHQ score. Um, again, it's used to help guide the care planning process and how we're going to engage the resident. So the where the PHQ 2 to 9 comes in, they're now saying a lot of it depends on the first two questions. So the first two questions are little interest or pleasure in doing things and feeling down, depressed, or hopeless. So if we ask those first two questions and they're both coded as 9, no response, or if they're both coded but the frequency is never or one day or two to six days, that's where it would stop. So that's where the PHQ-2 comes into place. If there's any other variations of that scoring, then we continue with the rest of um, the PHQ going down to the nine, answering all the resident mood interview questions. So here's a screenshot of what the PHQ two to nine looks like. Again, if they have a nine in D0150A column one for one and two, or I'm sorry, for A and B, if it's um, a code of nine, the interview stops. Or if they have a symptom presence for A and B, but then the symptom frequency is zero or one, we would stop the interview. Any other combination, we continue with, with C through I for that section. Again, this is the same uh, repetitive statements again that we're coding um, symptom presence, know that they indicate the symptoms are not present. We would code one if they are present and code nine if there's no response. Then column two is the frequency, never to one day, two to six days, 
7 to 11, 12 to 14. And keeping in mind that this section is a 14-day look back. Okay, so I think they they um, clarified that more in each question by putting in in the during the past two weeks have you during the past two weeks have you so that um, we can remember that this is a 14 day look back. Coding tips, same thing again. Um, we are to attempt the the interview with all residents if both. D0150A1 and B1 are coded as nine, then we would leave A2 and B2 blank and end the PHQ2. And then we would enter the, the frequency. So example, um, I'm just gonna put the whole thing up because it kind of goes back and forth. So over the past two weeks, have you had trouble concentrating on things such as reading the newspaper or watching television? And the resident says, television? I used to like watching the news, but I can't concentrate on that anymore. And then we would say something along the lines of in the past two weeks, how often have you been bothered by having difficulty concentrating on things like television? Would you say never or one day, two to six days, seven to 11 days or 12 to 14 days? And the resident says, I'd say every day, it bothers me every day. So in that case, then we would code 0150G1 for symptoms. We would code it as yes. They, they said that they have had trouble concentrating and then the frequency would be coded as three, 12 to 14 days because they said it bothers them every day. The severity score, this, this slide just, I'm not gonna read it. This slide breaks down um, the total score for the PHQ two to nine, breaks down the different levels of depression based on their score. This is something, again, that you can work on your care planning processes, communicate with the physicians if they've had a change from assessment to assessment with their level of depression. How's it going to drive your care planning? How are you going to involve activities and, and engage the resident to have them more involved um, in activities? Then we get to the new question, which is section D0700, social isolation. And again, social, social isolation is defined as referring to an actual or perceived lack of contact with other people, such as living alone or residing in a remote area. Again, it goes back to that social engagement, you know, creating an activity plan that makes them have meaning, gets them involved, reduces their, their feelings of social isolation, and just, you know, trying to enhance their quality of life by keeping them active. Again, this is a resident self-reported item, so no other source should be used to identify the response, and it's simply asking the resident, how often do you feel lonely or isolated from those around you? And again, these are the same um, answers as before, never, rarely, sometimes, often, always, they decline to respond or they're unable to respond. So an example of social isolation, the resident upon being admitted to the facility is asked about how often they feel lonely or isolated from those around them. 
The resident states that because they don't have very many families, family members left who live close by and they see their friends only a couple times a month, they often feel isolated. They are hoping that being in the facility will help them feel less isolated and plan to attend activities regularly. So again, they're, they're answering the question. They've actually, in their response in this example, said that they hope by being in the facility, they can become more um, active in the activities program and not feel so lonely and isolated. So in this case, D0700 would be coded as three often based on their responses. Behaviors, we have no coding changes in section E. Activities, or section F, preference for customary routine and activities. There's really no changes in this section either. They've just added and clarified some steps for the assessment stating that there, there could be times due to the resident's medical um, behavioral conditions a resident may have difficulty communicating and understanding. And, and we have to be aware of that when we're conducting the interviews. And we need to use our own judgment when it's the best time to interview them. It, it may not always be, you know, okay, I come in at 7.30 and 8 o'clock, I'm going to go around and get all my assessments completed. It may not be the best time to interview every resident at eight in the morning. So you're going to have to use your judgment of when to, to interview them. And they're saying all conscious residents should be interviewed. I guess that's just a clarification there. Um, and the, unlike the, um, the mood and the, the BIMS and the cognition with the interviews, this interview is a little bit differently where we're not basing it on whether the resident is rarely or never stood. Every resident, if they're conscious, should be attempted to be interviewed for this section. If we've exhausted all avenues to interview them, different times of the day, different people interviewing them, then we could talk to the family or the significant other to find out what was important to them when they, when they were in the community before they came to us. If there's no family member or significant other, then we would move on to the staff assessment for um, the, their daily and activity preferences. So that was um, a lot for, for those sections. Next week, we will dive into section GG. I know that's everyone's favorite favorite section, um, kind of say that tongue in cheek there. So we will do, we'll spend a lot of time on um, section GG. So you just want to make sure you have the appropriate staff there for next week's. Deb, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank and you. thank you all for joining us. We hope you can join us again next week. If you want to contact Deborah Wright, you can reach her at dwright at qualityinsights.org. You can check out our other interviews at qualityinsights.org slash qin slash multimedia 